Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. What is heaven like? I'm sure many of us from time to time have thought about heaven. Maybe at a funeral, maybe at the anniversary of the death of a loved one. We thought about heaven and we have these images. What does God look like? Are we going to live with the saints and the angels? You know, what of our relatives? Are we going to see them? And then what kind of bodies are we going to have when we're in heaven? How will we move? Will we float from cloud to cloud? What is heaven really like? Well, in the gospel for this weekend, Jesus gives us a wonderful image. He describes heaven in terms of a house. In fact, his father's house. Now, once again, in order to understand this gospel passage, we have to understand the whole context in which it is set in. Right now, Jesus is with his apostles. They're celebrating the Last Supper. Jesus, his passion and death is just a matter of a few minutes or maybe a few hours away. So he's preparing the apostles for his impending death. That's why he says at the very beginning, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God. Have faith also in me. Jesus wants to protect the apostles from despair when they see him dying on the cross. But he also wants to protect them from discouragement when the persecutions come their way and the apostles were persecuted. And see, only the peace of God, which surpasses our understanding, can calm our anxieties. And that's what Jesus is trying to do here. But he's also trying to teach the apostles and us that death is a doorway to eternal life. We shouldn't fear death. Not at all. That's why he says, In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If there are not, what I have told you I'm going to prepare a place for you. What's the implication here? Christ has prepared a place for us all. And at the given time, when we are ready to leave this world, Christ has prepared for us a place in heaven for all who believe and have kept the faith. Notice also that detail. Jesus says, If there were not what I have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you there myself, so that where I am, you also may be. Where I am going, you may know the way. Here, Christ will guide us. When we are ready to leave this world, Jesus just doesn't send an angel to take us to heaven or one of the saints or maybe one of our ancestors or relatives that have gone before us. Christ comes himself to take us personally to heaven. He is our guide. He comes like a good shepherd and he takes us home. Now, what are we to make of all this? Well, I think what Jesus is trying to teach us this weekend, the ultimate goal in our life is heaven, and it should always be heaven. Now, I know we have many goals in life, 
goals in our careers. You know, we want to attain a certain position at work. Or maybe we have personal goals, goals to lose weight, to get into shape. Or maybe the goal to be able to retire early. Whatever it is, we all have goals in life. But the ultimate goal in our life should always be heaven. St. John Chrysostom, when reflecting upon this gospel passage, he said, We are resident aliens in this world. Therefore, we must keep our hearts, our minds, and our souls fixated on the goal. I love that term, resident aliens. That's so true. We are resident in that we do live in this world, but we don't belong here. That's why he refers to us as aliens. This is not our true home. Instead, our true homeland is heaven, the world we are all tending to. Our citizenship doesn't belong in this world. Instead, it belongs in heaven. And so we truly are resident aliens here in this world. But don't make the mistake that if we are fixated on heaven, we have to divest ourselves from the world. No longer engage the world. Disengage. On the contrary, we have to engage the world with a deep passion. Saints were great examples of this. They were always fixated on the goal. And because of that, they were motivated to engage the world with a great passion. Give me some examples. Mother Teresa, she was constantly fixated on the goal, heaven. And yet, she engaged the world with a great passion for caring for the poor, the destitute, and the dying. How about St. Catherine Drexel, the first American-born saint? She, too, was fixated on the goal of heaven, and yet that motivated her to engage the world and provide health care and education to the Native American people in our country. How about St. Catherine of Siena? She, too, was fixated on the goal, and she also engaged the world with a great passion by trying to unite our church that was fractured because of poor leadership. The saints engaged the world with a passion. That's what made them saints. So must we. In the Second Vatican Council in the 1960s, a great document was written called Gaudium et Spes. It's Latin for the Church in the Modern World. Now, this was a very important Vatican II document. It dealt with how the Church was supposed to live and operate now in the 20th century. And in that document, it specifically said, The duty for all Catholics is to engage the world and bring God to all people. Well, I think that's what Jesus is getting at, at the very end of the gospel, when he says, Whoever believes in me will do the work that I do. Therefore, like the saints, we too have to engage the world, and yet keeping the goal firmly in place. Now you say to yourself, it seems to contradict each other. On the contrary, I would say they build upon each other. I'll give you a good analogy. Full moon. You go out tonight, it's middle of the dark, and you look up, and the moon is full. It's giving off all this light. It's radiating so much light that you can walk around with relative safety. You can see the rocks and the trees and the bushes because there is so much light radiating from the moon. Now, you know that the moon isn't producing that light. The, ro- the moon is a rock. It's a dead planet. And yet it's radiating all this light. What's the light of the sun? It's the light of the sun shining on the moon and the moon reflecting that light back onto the earth. Now stay with that image. 
when Jesus says, you will do works that I do, well, what we have to do is just that. When we engage the world with a passion, just like the saints do, then we, like the moon, we radiate the presence of God to other people. We radiate the light of God to other people that we minister to through acts of charity and compassion and justice. And then those people will see the light and the presence of Jesus Christ. And they, too, now will be fixated on the goal. They, too, will engage the world. Now, you say to yourself, well, how can I do that? Well, a great example of this would be stewardship. Sharing your prayers, sharing your skills and abilities, as well as your treasure for the benefit of your parish and the church. And in doing so, the church is strengthened by that. We all have gifts. We all have charisms. but We have to use them for the express purpose of building up our church. I'll give you a great example of this. Just yesterday, Saturday afternoon, at one of my churches, people were engaging the world with a passion. They were practicing great stewardship. There were about 20 people outside around the church doing landscaping and fixing up the grounds, while at the same time, there were about 20 to 30 people inside the church praying the rosary. And we were praying the rosary in honor of the 100th anniversary of Fatima. And so there is stewardship. It's a great picture of stewardship. We prayed the rosary. We prayed it for both of our parishes, but also we prayed for Holy Mother Church around the world. And outside at the same time, people were engaging the world by doing landscaping around the church. And so there was a beautiful picture of people engaging the world, using their skills and their abilities and their prayers for other people to be helped. And I think that's exactly what Jesus is getting at at the very end of the gospel when he says, whoever believes in me will do works I do and greater than these. Friends, this gospel story is perfect for us this weekend. Strongly encourage you to take some time this week, reread it. It reminds us of what the ultimate goal is in our life, heaven, and to always be fixated on it. And once we are, then we are compelled to engage the world with a great passion, just like the saints did. But we do it in our own way, just like the saints did. Each saint engaged the world in their own way, whether it was providing education, whether it was uniting a church, or caring for the poor. We engage the world with a passion in our own way. And when we do that, then we bring the light and the presence of Christ into other people's lives who need it the most then they are awakened to the ultimate goal themselves. They then are compelled also to engage the world with a passion. And that's exactly what the duty of Catholics are, to engage the world and bring God to others. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.